Uh, now that Thanksgiving is behind us, your know, eyes tend to become fixed now on Christmas, and we have entered the Advent season. We have uh, lit the first candle of Advent in our Advent wreath, and Advent is celebrated on the fourth. I mean, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, and the word Advent means coming, and so it's a, a time for Christians to to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. However, if you're like me, uh, you know the hustle and the bustle, the coming and the going, can cloud out our view of Christ and interrupt our worship uh, during this time if if we let it. And so during this Advent season. We are joining what has been called the, the Advent Conspiracy. And you see it in your bulletin there. There's, a, there's four squares with four challenges listed underneath there. Uh, we are joining what has been called the Advent Conspiracy. And it's a movement to turn uh, Christmas upside down or right side up, really, if you want to think about it that way. Um, but what the Advent cons- Conspiracy is... As whereas Christmas is often characterized by uh, spending lots of money on things that don't last, you know, to going from this gathering to that gathering to, uh, you know, trying to maybe plug in Jesus in our worship at some point in the season, maybe a special service or, or so, um, we want to turn Christmas upside down. In other words, we want to make this Christmas season, season this Advent season, worth remembering. In order to do that, I think we need to embrace four challenges. And this morning we're going to discuss the first challenge, and that is to worship fully during this Christmas season. And then next week, next Sunday, we're going to look at the third and fourth, or the third, second and third challenges uh, to spend less and give more. And then on December the 22nd, we're going to consider the fourth challenge, which is to love all. And I think if we embrace each of these challenges... Uh, we will truly have a Christmas season that's worth remembering. And so let's begin our journey uh, by focusing on the first challenge, which is to, to worship fully. Now, for those of you who believe in Jesus Christ, who follow Jesus Christ, the idea of worship is very important to you, as it's important to me as well. Uh, but worship is not something that is practiced by Christians alone. I would even argue that everyone worships something or someone, and I would even say that we're made for worship. We are meant to worship and to praise God, but oftentimes we we don't do that. We praise and worship other things and live our lives for other people or other things or other ideas. But it is part of us, I believe. I think we're made made to worship. And so the question that we're going to need to ask ourselves this season is, we're going to need to ask ourselves the question, what is worship? And who or what am I worshiping? Because what you worship or who you worship will define your Christmas. And so the question that we need to consider is how can we, how can we experience you know, the giving and receiving of gifts, the gatherings, uh, the time with friends and family? How can all of that flow from our worship of God? How can it flow from proper worship? And if you think about what is worship, worship is always a response to someone or something. You don't just, you know, work yourself up and and worship. 
but it's always a response to someone or something. Uh, for example, I saw, um, I think it was on the Today Show a week or so ago, they were doing this little game. And what they would do is they would show the host of the Today Show these pictures. And so they'd flash the, flash the picture up there, and the host had to determine whether this was a priceless work of art or if it was painted by a preschooler. Okay, that's the game. And so you had about three or four people hosting the Today Show there, and they would flash the, the first picture up, and you know, most of them would say, you know, it was painted by a preschooler. And they would say, no, this is a priceless work of art. <laughs> and it, it went on about four or five pictures, and they got most of them wrong. In other words, they could see a price, a quote-unquote priceless work of art and think that, you know, oh yeah, just it was painted by a preschooler. And the reason was, the reason they could not attribute its worth is because they were unfamiliar with the painter, unfamiliar with the painting, and so they were not able to properly attribute the praise that it was supposedly due, right? And the issue is, when you think about worship, you cannot worship that which you do not know. You know worship is always a response. And authentically, it's, it's a response, it's a, right, it's a right response to someone that is worth or worthy of worship. And you can't, you can't fake praise. I mean, you can try to, but it's not authentic praise unless you offer up praise, worship, uh, you attribute glory to something or someone that is worthy of that glory or worthy of that worship. And when that happens, you have authentic praise, you have authentic worship. And so, during this Christmas season... Uh, we're going to be tempted to worship a number of things. We're going to be tempted to worship nostalgia. We're going to be tempted to worship experience or you know, the giving and receiving of gifts. And the question I want us to consider is, you know, during this Christmas season, who will I worship? Who will you worship? Because this season, your Christmas will be defined by what you worship or who you worship. And so this morning, I want us to consider how can we worship fully God, the Redeemer, the one who's redeemed us? How can all the experiences that we will encounter this Christmas season with family, friends, buying gifts, receiving gifts, all the different things that come with this season, how can all of that flow from our worship of God? Well, I want to share a few thoughts that will help us, hopefully, worship fully this season. And as we think about worship, there's really two aspects of worship. Uh, the first aspect of worship, I will entitle our faithfulness. In other words, we can worship God through our faithfulness. You know, the Apostle Paul tells the Christians in Rome that because of God's mercy on you, that you should offer up your bodies as a spiritual sacrifice to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Paul says to the Christians in Colossae that whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. So even in your work, work unto the Lord. And then Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so we see this idea of faithfulness as an act of worship, loyalty to God. So in everything we do, 
We do it with a God focus. And so in our work, our daily interactions, uh, whether we eat, whether we drink, we're doing it all to the glory of God. And so there's this worship that takes place just in our faithfulness, our loyalty to the Lord in everyday life, living day in, day out for the glory of God. Yet within that aspect of worship, that faithfulness, there's another aspect of worship, and it is praise. And this is what I mean by that. There are times where you need to deliberately focus on God and praise Him for who He is and worship Him for who He is. Uh, You see the goodness of God and you respond in adoration. You see the power of God and you respond in awe. You 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 see the grace of God and you respond in thanksgiving. You know, there's a focus, there's there's an intentional focus on the person of God and what He's done that results in praise and worship. And so within this faithfulness, there are these times of focused worship and praise. And I want to illustrate it by, uh, I'll use uh, my relationship with Celia, but you can think about a friendship, any type of relationship, and to a lesser degree, this is how it works out. You know, in my relationship with Celia, uh, I seek to be loyal or faithful. And so day in, day out, uh, you know, I help around the house maybe, get kids to, you know, dress for school, help, you know, put up laundry, or just the day in, day out details of life. You know, I'm committed to the relationship. And so in and out, day in, day out, we're doing this faithfulness, loyalty. I'm sticking with it. She's sticking with it. We're moving through. Okay. We're dedicated to each other. However, our relationship needs more than just loyalty and faithfulness. And that's why every now and then we'll ask the grandparents to watch the children so we can have a date night, right? So we can get away to a restaurant with just us and spend some focused time together. Or maybe I'll give her a card on her birthday or send her flowers or do something for her to verbalize that I'm faithful and loyal, but I want to express my love to you in a special way. And we know all relationships need that. You know, it's not enough just to be faithful and loyal, but at some point there has to be some expression of love and care and concern in the relationship or it's not going to grow. And in a greater way, that's the way it is with God. We worship God in our faithfulness and our loyalty day in, day out, working, interacting with people for the glory of God. But at the same time, there needs to be these focused, intentional times of praise where we pull aside and we focus on the person of God and we worship Him. We praise Him for who He is. Now there's a number of ways to do this. Uh, when you think about how, how do you praise and worship someone, well, like I mentioned earlier, you cannot worship that which you do not know. And so you need to get to know God. And the way we do that is through prayer and reading the Scripture. And so one of the ways that we can worship fully this season is by carving out time consistently to pray and read the Bible. And I want to give you a few suggestions that you may implement during this Advent season uh, to help you worship fully this season. Uh, There are several Advent devotionals that are out now. You can probably buy a few of these at the uh, Christian bookstores in town. Uh, There's also a number of them online that you can access. Uh, If you get online 
there's a, there's a Facebook page for our church. It's called the Hill Baptist Church. And I've posted several free resources there for you. You could click on it, print them out for free. And what they are is these, these Advent devotionals are daily readings that usually have a passage of Scripture and then some type of commentary dealing with the Scripture and perhaps some questions to think about in application. And this is a great way to walk through Advent with intentionality. Getting into the Word and praying together. And there's also, if you have a smartphone, there's an app called uh, The Expected One. The Expected One. You can download for free. And it's a daily reading that will guide you through the season of Advent. I think that's a great way to help you privately uh, worship fully. But one thing we notice as well in the idea of praise and worship in the Christian's life is that it, it not only needs to be private, but it also needs to go public. We need to worship God both privately and publicly. And if you read the scripture, you'll notice that God has always prescribed that his people worship him both privately, personally, and publicly. You know, even in the Old Testament with the people of Israel, you know, built into their schedule were these you know, massive public celebrations and feasts where they would worship God. And in the New Testament, it's no different. We are commanded to not forsake the assembling together of the believers. We need to get together on a consistent basis, on a regular basis, as the book of Hebrews teaches us. And that's why every Sunday, we're going we're to seek to help you and to worship fully, publicly, as well as privately. Every Sunday, as you know, 11 o'clock, we gather here in this place to worship Christ. And we also have several uh, Sunday evening services where we'll gather to worship. Uh, we'll even have a Christmas Eve candlelight service, which is just another opportunity for us to publicly worship God. Because God wants us to worship Him both privately and publicly. Now I want to talk about why it's so crucial for us to gather together as believers. That it's not enough just to you know, watch a church service on television or you know, listen to a sermon uh, on tape or through the internet. Why it's so important for us to gather publicly like we were doing this morning to worship Christ together. You know, believe it or not, we don't always feel like worshiping God. You know, at times we feel frozen spiritually. Perhaps we're in a dry place where it's difficult to sense God's presence in our life. And what that can do is it can cause us to pull back from gathering with the church. It could cause us to isolate ourselves instead of meeting together with other believers to worship. And there are several reasons for that. But one reason could be that you know it's hard to be around people that are on fire for the Lord at times when you don't feel that way. When you're sensing you know, a, a dryness, there's a sense of you know, where is God? You know, there's a sense of uh, coldness in your spiritual life. And so to be around others who are, seem to be on fire for the Lord, sometimes that can be difficult. And so we pull away instead of engaging and meeting together with other believers for worship. Well, I want to encourage you that, and challenge you that if that's you, you, don't give in to that temptation. 
Even if you don't feel like it, even if you feel a dryness spiritually or a coldness, I encourage you to continue to worship God publicly. Continue to meet with the people of God. And the reason I say that is because for many of us, as we enter those times in our lives, it will be through the public worship of God that He will come in and thaw out our hearts. That's just the way God tends to work. He tends to work not only through those private times of worship, but He works through this public time of worship. There's another, I guess, way I want to illustrate this, and, and it's one of the things that we uh, actually miss about living in North Carolina. You know, in North Carolina, we would get around four to six inches of snow every year. Not a lot. But as you know, more than we do here. It just doesn't snow here. And our kids are, have embraced that. You know, they've, they've realized, okay, we're not getting any snow. But we, were, we would get some snow. And, you know, it would accumulate every now and then. And we'd have maybe, on average, four or six inches throughout the whole winter. Well, we would have the snow. And then, obviously, the kids would want to go outside. And so we would scramble and try to figure out, okay, what type of snow gear you know, do we have? Which is not much. And so we're piecing together things to keep them warm. And we give them some uh, gloves. And all we have are these little knit gloves. You know what I'm talking about? You know, so we give them these gloves. They put on. They go out and play. Well, it's not long after that. They're playing. They're building snowmen and, you know, sliding down the hill and sledding and making snowballs and whatnot. But then it's not long until they come inside and their hands are like frozen because these gloves... They, they, they don't do a terrible job of keeping you... I mean, they do a pretty good job keeping you warm as long as you don't get wet. But, you know, once the snow starts to melt on your hands and the, the knit gloves get all wet, your hands begin to freeze. And so they would come running inside and, you know, I can't feel my fingers, you know, and their hands are freezing. And so what we would do is we'd go over to the, you know, the fireplace and light the gas logs and we'd take off the gloves and allow them to put their hands by the fire. And we've all done this, haven't we? Whether it's been a fire outside, it was real cold one night, or maybe you come in and put your hands over the heat, heater vent or the fire and just keep them there. And after a while, you know, they start to warm up, feel a little more movement happening in your hands, the feeling comes back, and they begin to thaw out. You know, the Bible tells us that if we draw near to God, that He'll draw near to us. And so even in those times where you may be feeling you know, frozen spiritually, when you gather with the people of God for worship, that is the place where God falls hearts out. And He can reunite, or reignite, I might say, reignite the passion of worship once again in your life. And there's also another reason why it's so, so important for us to gather publicly if we're going to worship fully uh, this season. When we gather for worship, our city catches a glimpse of the kingdom of God. When the people of God gather, the city catches a glimpse of the kingdom of God. In other words, they catch a glimpse of a people that are united in Christ, that are offering up worship and praise to God. They see it. This is the only place they see it, is among Christians when they gather together. And so, you know, this past week, for example, 
you know, stores opened up earlier than ever. They opened up Thanksgiving night, and you know, people continued to flock to the stores, you know, to try to get the best deals. And you know, the stores opened up so they could capitalize on the on the eagerness of consumers, right? Well, just imagine if you were from some different country, and you just moved to Augusta, and you didn't really know much about our culture or what we valued, and you just observed this past week and what happened. So you Thanksgiving, you know, you see everybody gathering with different people, uh, eating a meal together, and then people start lining up outside of stores, you know, by the hundreds. And you're just observing, taking this all in. I think at the very least, you would say, you know, these people, they really like shopping, I notice. They just really, they really like shopping. Uh, they really like getting good deals on things. Um, they're willing to stand in line for a long time. You know, uh, people trampling people. There are all kind of crazy things happening, but shopping seems to be very important. And I say that just to say, whenever people gather Whatever causes people to leave their homes and gather together in a place, that shows you what they value. Whether it be getting a good deal at the store, whether it be a protest of some sort, whether it be an athletic event, it shows you what's important to people. If it gets them out of their house and you're gathering with several people around this common cause. And the importance of gathering publicly for worship is that's what it does for the city, it shows. It shows the city there. There is a group of people who values coming together and worshiping God together above all things. We'll even leave our homes when it's cold outside Sunday morning. We'll even get up early, and we will come together and we will worship together. And we just give them a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And what we show them by gathering, when, this is what you show them by you know, leaving. All your neighbors see you do this. You, you pull out of your driveway early Sunday morning, several weeks out of the year. And what, what that is, is a visible reminder to them that there is something that is important to this person. They're going to worship Jesus publicly in a place in this city. And the reason we do that is because it's, it's through Jesus Christ, it's through the gospel of Christ that, that God binds us together. You know, it's truly the, the tie that binds. It, the gospel binds us together regardless of our ethnicity or our culture, regardless of our social status or our vocation, our age, our gender, our backgrounds. See, the gospel transcends all of that. And when we gather, we show the world this is what the kingdom of God is like. That we are connected and bound together by something greater than all the things of the world. And that is through Jesus Christ. Because it's through Jesus Christ as we read in the scripture that even though there's diversity, there's great unity when we come together in worship. And it's through Jesus Christ we see in the scripture that the Father draws men and women to Himself. It's Jesus Christ when He's lifted up that people worship Him. And therefore when we gather, we must worship the One who is worthy of worship. And that is Christ. It's the One who's made in the image of God. 
In Jesus Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Through Jesus Christ, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. We all come to God through Christ. Through Christ, God reconciles the world to Himself. And so if we're going to make this Christmas one worth remembering, we need to both worship privately and publicly. And we, we don't need to let this Advent season blow past us, you know, like a shopper on Black Friday trying to save a few bucks on a deal. Because it will. But what we need to do to make this Christmas worth remembering is to worship fully, both privately and publicly. And so I want to ask you this question. How will you be intentional this season? Will you carve time out to read the Scripture and pray? Will you gather with the church even at those times when you don't feel like it. You know, if this Christmas is going to be one worth remembering, if our lives are going to be lives worth living, then we need to worship fully. Let us pray. God, we come to you in worship right now. And we acknowledge your goodness, your grace, your power, your mercy, your holiness. And we come before you with thanksgiving that you have made a way for us to to approach You, and that way is through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we enter this season of Advent, where we are just trying to be more intentional on focusing on Your coming and celebrating Your first coming and anticipating Your second coming, Lord, help us to worship fully. Help us to carve out time to praise You, to get to know You better. Lord, and help us to value our time together publicly when we gather to worship You. And Lord, I pray You use these times both privately and publicly to change us, to make us into the people You'd have us to be. And help us to represent You well in this place. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.